Please remain standing for the reading of the word. Today's passage is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he had said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish a second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Scott, and thank you, worship team. Thank you, Perot family. Thank all of you for being here today or for watching on live stream. We're so thankful that you've joined us. Uh, happy Advent to you. This is week two of the Advent series that we have with our preaching. Uh, and uh, we're thankful that we get to be able to share these messages with you. Uh, my name is Tyler Thompson. Uh, we have four pastors here. Uh, Frank Switzer, who is uh, away doing a wedding. Uh, we have Tyler James, who's our executive and family pastor. Uh, he's actually teaching in the kids' ministry this morning, and Trey Fraley, who you will see uh, later on with our benediction. At this time, if you are in fourth through sixth grade, we'll invite you to go to your classes. Thank you for being with us for worship, and we hope that you'll enjoy your time together. And um, for the rest of you, uh, we are in Hebrews chapter 10 today. Uh, so we've been uh, walking through a, an Advent preaching series and um, I, before we get into Hebrews 10, I just want to give two announcements. There's one announcement and one reminder, really. The announcement uh, is that there is tomorrow night, uh, no, Thursday night, sorry, December 9th, uh, Women's Christmas Social. That'll be at the Bannister Home from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, so we'd love for you uh, to participate with that. You can RSVP at the website that is there or on our website. Uh, we also want to remind you that the Christmas choir is this next Sunday, and so if you're participating in that, we have rehearsals on Wednesday night and Thursday night here, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Uh, we're actually going to sing uh, the second song that we sang today, Names, uh, which is a beautiful song. We're going to sing that next week as well. So if you'd like to participate in that, uh, you can email me and let me know, or just show up on Wednesday night. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a good crew, uh, guaranteed good time. Uh, so those are the announcements that we have for today. Uh, in our preaching series, we're going through uh, what's oftentimes known as a, a J-curve. Uh, we have the idea of incarnation, sacrifice, new creation, and sanctification. And then on Christmas Eve, uh, Pastor Frank is going to speak on the Magnificat. We are in week two of this preaching series, which means that we're covering today sanctification. I mean, sacrifice. If you missed incarnation last week. Check that out uh, online. Pastor Frank gave a wonderful message on the incarnation, and today we are on sacrifice. Uh, you know that it's a wonderful day in the Thompson household uh, when a care package arrives. And how many, who doesn't like a care package, right? Care packages are just wonderful things. And we uh, particularly have care packages that arrive uh, from one of our family members, uh, my mother, her name is Karen. Our kids call her Kiki. 
she sends a package every once in a while, and uh, we call it a Kiki package. Uh, it's our version of a care package. Care packages, in essence, are saying three things. One, they are saying, we acknowledge that there is a separation between us. We acknowledge that there's a distance between us at the current time. Two, it is saying that while we are separated, we want to bless you with this gift for the needs that you may have now. And three, the care package is saying that we hope that we won't be separated any longer and at some point we'll be able to be together again. So really there's three things happening when you receive a care package. We're saying that there's a distance, here's something for your needs in the time being, and hopefully one day we'll be together again. And what I hope is that today when we look at our passages, we'll actually see in Hebrews 10 that sacrifice is sort of that way. But before we get into Hebrews 10, I actually, I brought with me a special care package today. Who needs a care package? Anybody need a care package? I saw that hand first. Come on up. I got a care package for you. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I won't even make you walk to the front. Uh, what's your name again? Kirsten. Kirsten, Kirsten, this is a care package for you. You can, you can save it till later to open if you want. You know, open whenever you want. Uh, this is an acknowledgement that um, in a few hours, you're going to go home or go wherever you're going, and we will no longer be in the same place, so there will be a separation between us. But this is, a neat, this is something, a, a gift, a blessing for you in the meantime, that hopefully that will take care of some needs over the time while we're separated, and then hopefully I'll get to see you again sometime soon. Nice to meet you. Have a, have, a, have a good day. Yes. Very good. All right. So with care packages, that's what we have going on. And I think that we'll actually, I think that we'll actually see in Hebrews chapter 10, and that's sort of like what sacrifices are. Uh, so if you open your Bibles, you'll look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Frank actually referenced uh, Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 4 last week. And uh, I'm so glad that he did because the book of Hebrews uh, is such a great study in the life of Christ. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. Scott read for us verses 5 through 10, and we'll look at, at 1 through 14 today. The first point that we see here in Hebrews chapter 10 is that before the birth of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial system was a shadow of the good things to come. So before the birth of Christ, the sacrificial system was a shadow of the good things that were to come. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start in verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So there's a lot there in just that first verse. I want to draw your attention to that first language about the law being a shadow. Oftentimes when we think of shadows, we think of the, the reflection of something that is already in, there in existence. But this is what you would call a foreshadowing. A shadow of things to come is a foreshadowing of something that is there. And it's not just a shadowing of something that will come, but it's a shadowing of something that will be better than the good things that will come, the true form is the language that is used here, which is actually a very Greek or Hellenistic idea, uh, uh, an a idea you might find in, in Plato or the philosophy of, of the great Greek philosophers. 
that the true form of what we will come in these realities will be there, but the law is a shadow of what will come, sort of like that care package of what we talked about, that it, that it holds a place for something that will be there. And so it says, the shadow can never, by the same sacrifices that are offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. In other words, the shadow isn't able to cure our ailment. We were just singing a couple of songs about the hurt that the heart feels, the hope that the world needs. The idea here in this first verse of Hebrews chapter 10 is that that hurt and that healing that is needed can never be solved by the law, but instead points to what will ultimately come to do so. And then the author of Hebrews goes on to say, Otherwise, verse 2, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The idea here is that the sacrifices themselves are actually a reminder of the distance They're a reminder of the sins that we've committed. Remember, sin is rebelling against the will of the Lord, and it creates for us a distance between God and humanity, a brokenness that causes us to be separate from God. And so the author of Hebrews is saying that these sacrifices don't take away the sin, but instead point to the fact that there's a separation. Similar to how a care package doesn't actually solve the problem of the distance, but it reminds us of the distance. It reminds us that there's a separation that is there. And so a very brief history of some of the key things about sacrifice in the the Old Testament. When God created the world perfect and Adam and Eve rebelled against him, created or caused what was called the the original sin, what we've now called as the original sin. It created that separation between God and humanity. It created a situation where the world was broken, we were broken, and there was distance between us and God. And in that moment, Adam and Eve hide. They're ashamed of their sin, they're ashamed, and so they, they actually create distance as well. They, go, they, they try to walk away and hide from God. And God in his grace and his mercy, and you can read this in, in, in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, God in his grace and his mercy uh, creates for them a covering, sacrifices an animal and creates for them a covering for the sin. So even in the first three chapters of the Bible, we see how God is working to do this on our behalf. In chapter 4 of Genesis, Cain and Abel both are offering sacrifices unto the Lord. And God is pleased with Abel's, Abel's sacrifice, but not with Cain's. And so Cain kills Abel out of jealousy for God being pleased with Abel. It leads us to ask, what is it that God objects to in Cain's sacrifice? Or better yet, what is it that he appreciates about Abel's sacrifice? Well, the author of Hebrews has an answer for that, and you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 11. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews says that by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. In other words, there's a faith 
in trusting that God has a plan for the reunion of God and humanity. And so he offers a better sacrifice, the best of what he could offer unto the Lord. If you fast forward to the story of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham is asked by God to offer his firstborn son, Isaac, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. There's, there's all kinds of questions that that passage leads to that we can discuss some other time. But what I would want you to know from that situation is that when Abraham goes up the mountain to offer sacrifice and offer Isaac as a sacrifice unto the Lord, the Lord instead provides a ram. That there is provided by God an, a needed sacrifice for the time being that would be given in place of Isaac. And the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith, Abraham offered Isaac, knowing that God would provide a ram. I always wondered what kind of cruel God would ask Abraham to offer Isaac. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham knew God would provide a ram in place of Isaac, which is a beautiful picture. And if you go further, there's all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of uh, regulations and um, when Moses receives the law, there's all kinds of steps that the Levitical priesthood had to go through to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. Different kinds of sacrifices that they would offer. Uh, we get to a point in 2 Samuel 24 where David actually says, I'm not going to offer the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing. In other words, David understands that there has to be some sort of uh, gift that we give back to the Lord in sacrifice. Such so as a brief history of sacrifice, but what the author of Hebrews is offering us in Hebrews 10 is a picture in saying that these sacrifices had to be repeated because they were never the end-all, be-all sacrifice. So it was something that had to be done temporarily. In the second song that we sang today that Malia led us through, it said that, there, that you are the medicine for our healing. The sacrifices were never meant to be something that was going to cure our sin problem, but rather were to be a reminder of that, the fact that there's a distance. God's given us a good gift of the law in the meantime, and there will come a better sacrifice in Jesus Christ. David Guzik says it this way, the sacrifices under the old covenant could never cure the sin problem left us as a patient who continually needed the medicine, or like a weed that only has its head plucked out, not the root. It was something that was good for our well-being in the temporary, but pointed forward to the better sacrifice that would come in Christ. Galatians 3 says it also this way, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. The point of the sacrifice then was not to remove the sin, but rather was to point us to right relationship with God, where we acknowledge the distance, we see that God has provided a way for our needs, and that there is a Savior who is coming. So the author of Hebrews actually shifts at this point and is going to talk about now the perfect sacrifice that came into the world. Verse 5 says, so, uh, so the second point I would have you understand is that when Jesus Christ came into the world, he was the perfect, unblemished 
sacrifice. He did what we could not do on our own with the sacrificial system. Verse 5 says this, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, when Christ came into the world, that's what we celebrate at Advent, that Christ came into the world. And you'll see here this this sort of flow that Pastor Frank has started with us uh, last week of incarnation, sacrifice, new creation, sanctification. It's all here in this text. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Isn't that cool? We have Advent here in Hebrews chapter 10, that God has prepared for Christ a body through which to provide the perfect sacrifice. That he was given this body as one who would come and would shift the sacrificial system altogether. That there's a way of looking at sacrifice pre-Christ, and then there's a way of looking at sacrifice when Christ comes, and there's a way of looking at sacrifice after Christ goes. That the entrance of Christ into this world completely shifts our viewpoint of what sacrifice is. And so that idea in Psalms, Psalm chapter 40, Jesus is, is quoting Psalm chapter 40 here, is that God desires, instead of sacrifice and offering, God desires obedience. That Christ would be the one who would come as the one who was able to perfectly obey the will of the Father. So F.F. Bruce says this, His incarnation itself is viewed as an act of submission to God's will, and as such, an anticipation of his supreme submission to that will in death. That's where we get that phrase that Jesus was born to die, that he lived to die, as we sing in one of our other songs. That Christ came as the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 40, the one who would come and be the perfect ultimate sacrifice on the cross. He was born in such a way that the body was prepared for a perfect sacrifice. Now, a sacrifice in the Old Testament was based on uh, the, the unblemished nature of what was being sacrificed and then the way that it was prepared for sacrifice. And I would submit to you that Jesus uh, qualified in both of those situations. He was blameless both in his birth and as he lived going to the cross. It's no wonder then that the opening of the the gospel account of Luke engages the, the man known as Zacharias, who was tasked with going to offer a sacrifice in the temple. Luke understands that the setting here, that in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the whole sacrificial system is shifting. In fact, the whole sacrificial system is being completed and fulfilled in Christ. So Jesus uh, says this, Hebrews chapter 10, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. The author of Hebrews here is quoting what it is that Jesus is doing. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. I love this verse that that Jesus' intention here is to come and follow the will of God. And you see this all sorts of places in, in the New Testament gospel accounts. That in John chapter 4, 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will 
of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food, the very thing that I need for sustenance is to do God's will and be obedient to him. In other places, Jesus is offering himself and saying, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so Jesus has come as one who is fulfilling what is written of me. That, that phrase, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book, is an amazing thing where Jesus is claiming to be the fulfillment of what was written about him in the Old Testament. That this scroll that has been written in the book of the law, probably referring actually to the five books of the law here, the Torah, that Jesus has come to fulfill those things that were written about him. It's amazing that he came in that way, born specifically to die, lived specifically to die, one sacrifice for all of humanity, for all that would believe in his name. He replaced that care package that we talked about with his own presence. Again, a care package is, is never a replacement for the real thing of the presence. My kids would choose to see their, their grandma Kiki every day of the week rather than getting a care package from Kiki. And this is what Jesus has as well, is that when he comes, he replaces the need for the care package because he's there in his own presence. Amen. And so Jesus is one who offers himself as this perfect sacrifice for our needs. Verse 8 in Hebrews 10, it says this, When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. By the way, those, those four categories, sacrifices, offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, those are all categories that are laid out in the Levitical law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. This is very similar to the language that Jesus says when he says, I've not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. In other words, he's saying that it's not as though the law is no longer uh, of value, but instead I've come to fulfill what you've been waiting for in the law. That law that came as a way of revealing the separation, I have come to fulfill that so that there's no longer any separation. And so the author of Hebrews says, he does away with the first in order to establish the second. We'll pause just for a moment to say that once Christ has come, it's foolishness for us to want to go back to the care package. Like once the better thing has come, it's foolishness for us to want to go back to just the thing that they sent. When my kids get to see Kiki when she's in town, it's foolishness, foolishness for them to say, no, no worry, Kiki, we've got your stuff over here. It's, it just doesn't work that way. And yet sometimes we do that. The other day uh, we were in the, in the kitchen just having some snacks and um, Dallas had asked for a granola bar. And so he's chomping on a granola bar, and, and you know, a two-year-old can eat one of those things super fast. So he's got almost the whole thing in his mouth. And, and Liz had been making some cookies. And I don't know about you, but like granola bar, cookie, granola bar, cookie, like it's really not a contest. And so she's making these cookies, and the cookies are, are ready. 
And so Dallas comes running over to the counter, and he's got this granola bar in his mouth. And he sees the cookie, spits, spits the whole granola bar that's in his mouth out on the counter, picks up the cookie, puts it in his mouth. It was amazing. Like, no hesitation at all. Hey, the better thing is here now, I'm having that. And I want to be like Dallas with that, you know? I don't want to hang on to the granola bar when there's a cookie in front of me. In that moment, my two-year-old, he understood this idea of something that's better. It's not that the granola bar is no good. It's just that the cookie's better. And so we want to eat the cookie. We want for that food that God has for us to be what replaces what was pointing to it prior to this. And so Dallas uh, modeled for me in that moment this idea that Christ has come as the better sacrifice. I don't want to hang on to the old stuff. God has given his stuff to us, yes, but even better than God's stuff is God himself. Amen? And one day we will be in heaven for all eternity, and the greatness about heaven will not be all the stuff that is there. It will be that God is there. And the other stuff will be good too. But if you had all the stuff that was in heaven, Pastor Fraley likes to say this, if you have all the stuff that is in heaven, you take away God's presence, it's not heaven anymore. And so rather than holding on to the stuff of God, we want to be a people who are celebrating the presence of God. That he's come as a better sacrifice and that he's offered himself in that way. So after, this is the third point of this passage in Hebrews, after the birth, life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God causes those he has made perfect to become living sacrifices. Now here's the kicker. Not only does God offer himself as the sacrifice for all of humanity, but then he makes a new humanity that become living sacrifices. Living care packages, if you will. He's come once and for all, and there's, there's no indication that, or there's no need of any other sacrifice. But once he had, as, as Frank quote, uh, quoted last week in Philippians 2, once he had made purifications for sin, he went and he sat at the right hand of the Father, which means there's a distance again. Not in the same way that there was before, because he's left for us what? His Holy Spirit. So there's still closeness, there's still a togetherness, and yet there's this distance. It's that already but not yet world that we live in. We want to be a people, though, that cling to this new reality that God has for us. C.S. Lewis says it this way, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. That's a famous quote by, by Lewis that we are content oftentimes too much to hold on to the old stuff that God has for us, rather than living into the new vision of what God has. And so in verse 12, he says this, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's echoed in the Philippians 2 passage that we were just talking about. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Quick note here, 
is just the reality that there are still enemies of God. And that that, that doesn't stop even though he has provided sacrifice for sin, even though he has conquered sin, death, destruction, the devil. It's sort of like what Frank said last week with that scorpion tail that just keeps, or the scorpion that keeps trying to sting people after the head's cut off. Satan knows his doom is sure, but he's going to try to do as much damage as he can in the meantime. And this Little line here in verse 13, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. There's an indication that at some time, the enemies of God would be triumphed over once and for all. But there are still enemies. There are still those who will oppose the cross of Christ. For by a single offering, verse 14, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There's an indication there that that already not yet reality that we've just talked about as well, that he has perfected those who are being sanctified, that God has in one time made perfect his bride, and yet there's a sanctification process that we go through. And that new creation and sanctification process is going to be talked about here in the next couple of weeks here at Redemption Arcadia. Fred Zaspel on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews says this, Christ's sacrifice was offered only once, as you can see in these passages, Christ's sacrifice affected forgiveness, Christ's sacrifice was accepted into heaven, the true temple, and Christ's sacrifice gained access to God. These are the reasons that it was a once-for-all kind of sacrifice that it took care of each of these needs. I also wanted to point out to you, Malia Rogers has been doing a great job with our Advent readings. Uh, Last week, she did an introduction for our Advent readings each week. And uh, I just wanted to quote that as well because it so well uh, describes this already but not yet situation that we're in. She said this, We no longer have to wait for this Messiah. Remember, Advent is waiting We have the opportunity to know him intimately through his spirit. While we no longer have to wait in wonder of who he is, when he will come, or if he will come, we wait nonetheless. We wait on the other side of the story. We wait as those, reading and remembering the story of the virgin birth, a baby born in a manger, the light of the world condemned to die for the sin of the world. We live inside the in-between, the already and the not yet. Christ has come and will come again. Amen. That this Advent time that we celebrate, where we await the birth of Christ, we do not wait in the same way that we used to wait. But rather we wait as those who are expecting our Savior to come again to bring us home for all eternity. So that Holy Spirit that Malia talks about that we know him intimately and enables us to be perfected and sanctified, that Holy Spirit is mentioned here as well in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. It says this, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. I love that this this Holy Spirit is mentioned here because it completes the, the Trinity. 
Thomas says this, we have the threefold revelation of God in this passage. A very definite, spiritual, and practical exemplification of the Holy Trinity. In the will of God, that will of the Father, in the work of Christ, in verse 12, and in the witness of the Spirit. This is one of those passages where if people are wondering, where do you see the Trinity in the Bible? This is one of the ones you can point to. That Christ came, the Son of God came, to fulfill the will of the Father. And this is witnessed by the Spirit. So the Spirit has in mind for the church that they would become sanctified after having already been perfected. That our perfected nature in Christ is that we have a standing in Christ of perfection. We had a discussion about this in our small group this last week where one of our members was objecting to uh, us still, be calling, still, still being called sinners. That aren't we now saints? And the answer is yes. Our right standing between us and God at this time is that we are now perfected as saints. But there's this not yet reality as well, which is that we are still being sanctified or set apart for his purposes. That means that, as Paul says in Romans 7 and elsewhere, that we will continue to have this struggle as we are transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. Going on in verse 15, For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. I love this language here that the Holy Spirit is coming in order to imprint on us this new covenant that God has given us in Christ. That we are indeed new creations where our hearts, our very hearts, are given newly to us. That God takes away our heart of stone and puts in our heart of flesh. That God writes on our minds this new covenant law, this new way of living. That Christ has come as the ultimate sacrifice and that by the, will, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we become living sacrifices to the world until he comes again. Paul will say it this way in Romans chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed in this world, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That language is so brilliant by the inspiration of the Spirit speaking through Paul in this way. That just as God has prepared the body for Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice, we too are given bodies that are to be a sacrifice for the sake of the world. That there's no need for continual uh, sacrifice for sin, but that we would be to the world until Christ comes again, sacrifices that would point to that ultimate Christ sacrifice. Just as the OT, the Old Testament law system pointed forward, foreshadowed to the death of Christ, the church becomes living sacrifices that point back to the death of Christ. 
that as Pastor Frank said last week, that we, we are living incarnational lives as the church. Well, this week in our text, we see that we are also living sacrificial lives as the church. That as Christ goes along this J-curve, we too walk that path with him. And so in, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20, Paul will say that we are crucified with Christ. That we too go through this sacrifice. Wrapping up in our Hebrews passage, uh, chapter 10, verses 17. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. That indeed is good news for those who believe on Christ. That there's no longer any need of trying to gain a way of being right with God, but that Christ for once, for all time, has made this way of salvation possible for us. So what does this mean for us as those who are following this path of Christ? Well, first I would say this, is that if you are here today or if you're hearing this message and you don't yet have Christ as your Savior, there is no better time than today. That Jesus has come as the perfect sacrifice for your separation with God. And I pray that you would reach out to him today with his offer of salvation, that you would receive that gift from him. There's nothing that you need to do to earn it, but to receive this gift from the Lord. And I'll actually pray in a little bit, and if that's you and you'd like to pray to receive Christ, I would love for you to do that. A second thing, for those of us who have already received Christ, and those of us who are wondering what it looks like for us to offer ourselves in response to become living sacrifices, Know that our tendency, just like our tendency is to hold on to God's gifts, his stuff, more so than him. Our tendency when we talk about sacrifice is to talk about giving our stuff. Well, I, I tithe to the church, which is awesome. Well, I gave to the poor, which is awesome. Well, I offered my time or my treasure or my talent, which is awesome. But in many ways, that's just us re-gifting God's stuff. And I'll take a moment to say here, I'll just try to help uh, all of the re-gifters out there, that there's no shame in re-gifting. <laughs> you have permission. I mean, think again, how is God's law a gift to us? God gives us his stuff, and then we're told to give some of it back. And so we give the best of what we have back to God, but it's his stuff anyway. It's sort of like a couple of years ago, my daughters came to me and asked me, what do I want for Christmas? And I told them that I would be really interested in an electric shaver. Because my beard grows pretty fast if I don't shave, and I want to just be able to do it real quick in the morning, right? And they said, oh, that'd be great. And they said, Dad, can, can we borrow $20? And I say, well, for what? So we can get you your electric shaver. <laughs> it's sort of like that with God. 
that the stuff that we are giving to him is his anyway in the first place. And so there's no, there's no shame in regifting, regift. But at some point, and this is part of our process with sanctification, God wants us to move from giving our stuff to giving ourselves, just like he did for us. That we might offer our very bodies as this living sacrifice to the Lord. And so that might look like a few different things in your life. That may look like uh, having to sacrifice financially. That may look like having to sacrifice your time. But you might ask the Lord, what would it look like for me to give my whole self to you? And not just certain things. You may ask the Lord, what would it look like for me to be a care package for the world until you come again? That we might be a people who are more concerned for the needs of others than our own self. That we might be a people who die to ourselves. That we let go of the need to always be right or always win or always come out ahead or always have the power or always have it work out better for us. And rather we offer as Christ did, to die to ourselves that his purposes might be done in our lives. May we also say our food is to do the will of God. In a moment here, we'll take communion. uh, And I wanted just to point out to you that when Christ went to the cross for his sacrifice in John 19.30, when he said it is finished, he meant what he said. He meant that this offering that he made was sufficient now for anyone who would believe that the work that he came to do, he had accomplished, that he had obeyed the Father's will, and that he had done what he set out to do. That that sacrifice on the cross would change forever how we looked at sacrifice in general. And that he would offer himself to us that we might become new creations that we would die with him, rise with him, be set apart for his purposes in this world. And so we take communion as a way of reminding ourselves that he has come and offered this sacrifice, but that he calls us as well to join him in that sacrifice. That as we take the bread and the cup, the symbols of his body and his blood, we recognize that we receive his gift and that we too die to ourselves that he might give new life as he did in the resurrection. And so we'll take communion at this time. Uh, I want to note to you that this is intended for those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. That it's intended as a way of remembering this gift that we have already received from him. And as I said, if you'd like to receive him now, I will say a prayer that you're welcome to pray that as well. The scripture says if, the, if we confess with our mouths, we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So we will pray that that spirit of God would come, set you apart, make you perfect due to the work of the cross of Christ and give you this new life that he calls you to. So I'll invite you, we have those that are going to be passing out the communion today, and you can come row by row in order to take the communion. We'll also have people that are praying on either sides of the room. If you'd like prayer for something, or if you would like to pray for for receiving Christ today, we'd love for you to do that as well.
But let me pray for us in our communion as we respond in worship to this message that God has given. God, I first want to pray a prayer of thank you, thankfulness for this sacrifice that you have given once and for all. That you have desired for that distance that is between us to be resolved, that we might spend eternity with you. So God, thank you for making a way of salvation on the cross. And Lord, for those that are here today that would like to accept you, maybe for the first time, I would like to say this prayer. And if that's you, pray this with me. God, I confess to you that I have sinned against you and that that has created distance. Our sin has created distance between humanity and you. But God, I believe that you have provided a way of salvation. I believe that Jesus came, was born, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day with new life for all who believe. So God, I give my heart to you. Would you replace my heart with a heart of flesh? Would you fill me with your spirit that you might make me perfect and that you might set me apart for your purposes? If you prayed that today, we would love to talk with you and encourage you on your path. God, I also pray for the the blessing of the communion that you would use these natural elements for your supernatural purposes in our lives. That you would move us, Lord, to respond with obedience just as you did. And that you be glorified in us, your church, as you work out your purposes in and through us until you come again. And we wait in hope for that moment. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Stand and sing this last song with us.
Thank you for being here and worshiping with us. We gather each week so that we might be formed into the image of Christ as individuals and as a body. And we come and it's so neat that we get to sing songs and hear a sermon solely on the person of Christ each week. It was much more easy to recognize it was on the person of Christ we're talking about sacrifice. But every week we make Jesus the hero because it's when we look to him that we become more Christ-like. And uh, I'm so thankful to serve on a staff with guys like Tyler and Frank and Tyler who are faithful to the text to bring God's word to us that we might, again, look more like Christ. So as we go off into the week, first I want to say, today's the first uh, Sunday of the month. If you're new or you've been coming for a little bit, you want to learn a little bit more about um, our church, I'll be in the back. I'd love to talk with you. So I'll pray our benediction over us as this forms us as we go into the week. Also, I know I'm wearing a Christmas sweater. This is my invitation to all of you. Let's celebrate Advent, okay? Uh, Let me read this over us. According to the riches of God's glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Go and live all of life all for Jesus.